good morning and welcome to another edition of Confessing Our Hope, the podcast of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. My name is William Hill. As usual, I am the host of this particular podcast that we try to do for you each and every week. This week we have an, a very good discussion set up for you, one that um, I think will help, especially if you're a parent and uh, you're wrestling through, laboring through that process of raising children, especially covenant children, for the Lord's glory, and more about that in just a minute. As I said, this is a podcast of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary, and we do this podcast once a week to highlight various issues, concerns, and topics that affect the church, especially those from a Reformed perspective. And um, if you want to know more information about the seminary, you can contact us at GPTS. Dot edu. If you're interested in writing into the podcast to uh, drop your comments or concerns, questions, or otherwise, you can write me at confessingourhope at gpts.edu, and I respond in a timely fashion to every email I do receive. As I indicated, we're going to be having Dr. Joel Beakey on the program this morning to talk about a book that he had uh, written uh, entitled Parenting by God's Promises, and it's a, a, a refreshing look at this whole entire process of what it means to be a parent and raise children. Um, I have fathered three children in my life. We have raised them. They're grown adults, and I wish I had this kind of a book, this book, in my hands way back in the day when I first started having children. Dr. Joel Beakey is the president and professor of systematic theology and homiletics at Puritan Reformed Theological Seminary. In addition to that, he's also a pastor of the Heritage Netherlands Reformed Congregation in Grand Rapids, as well as the editor of the Banner of Sovereign Grace Truth. And there's a bunch of other things that he does. He stays very busy. So um, and, and in respect of his time, we're just going to jump right into this interview. And um, so, Dr. Beakey, it's great to have you on again to talk with you about this book in particular. Great to be with you, Bill. Now, Dr. Beakey, I can't help but notice right from the start, I, I've read your other book that you wrote on Calvinism. The title is somewhat similar, um, although a very uh, distinctly different topic. Why a book of this nature on parenting when, as you even indicate in the uh, beginning of this book, there's a lot of material out there on this subject? Well, uh, that's a very good question, Bill. I think that... Um Two, two things. Number one is there are very few parenting books, actually, written on parenting from a reform perspective, uh, from a real biblical perspective. A lot of parenting books are out there, and they give you some good practical advice, and they give you lots of good how-tos and lots of stories about illustrations of, you know, cases. and um, They have their own place. That um, theologically, few parenting books provide a solid reform foundation for parenting, and particularly, most books don't emphasize God's gracious promises to believing parents and their children in the covenant of grace. Then, secondly, uh, on a practical level, uh, few parenting books address how parents share in the anointing and threefold office of Christ as mediator, thus how they should um, function as teaching prophets and interceding priests and guiding kings in their own home. Mm -hmm. um, 
Also, few parents, few Christian parenting books really deal with some of the common challenges. I looked at some of the, the parenting books and I said to myself, you know what? Um, I don't see anything here on teaching children how to listen, and that's just a huge problem. And I don't see anything on teaching children how to tame their tongues, and that's a, that's a problem. And when we raised mm-hmm. our kids, one of our, our major areas was uh, how do you handle sibling relationships? So how do you handle um, brothers and t- sisters that are cruelly teasing each other? So I, so I devoted a chapter to each of these issues, and also I devoted, uh, I think, something unique for teenagers, three chapters on uh, discerning God's will and uh, resisting negative peer pressure and managing uh, teen anger. So these are all practical topics that I think are missing in most most uh, parenting books. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. And um, as I indicated before, I, I've been a, well, I'm still a father, of course, but they're now grown and um, in college and otherwise. And um, I read a, a few books, certainly uh, my wife and I read them together as we were raising our children, but nothing came close, I think, to the, the, the part one, especially of the book that you've put out and in coming at this perspective from a covenantal viewpoint. And, and you mentioned the whole idea of in, in the subtitle of the book is how to raise children in the covenant of grace. And for the sake of the listeners, what are we talking about when, when you make that reference? Well, um, God promises in the covenant of grace that to those who fear him, he will be God to them and to their children, to a thousand generations. And so he binds his people to himself forever, and he seals that bond with an oath. And so what could be more encouraging than knowing that God's normal way of working salvation is by converting the covenant children of God-fearing parents who seek to bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And so the goal here is to um, understand that our children, we don't presume they're saved. We don't presume they're not saved. We bring them up under God's promises, uh, trusting his covenant faithfulness, and we seek to model for them as prophets, priests, and kings in our own home um, the role that God would have us fulfill to rear our children for him and wait to see what he will do. And it's his normal way to, to convert them at some point in that child-rearing process. And so that encourages us. It helps us to parent with optimism and with uh, a daily pleading on his promises as a faithful covenant-keeping God. That's very good, and and I appreciate this whole entire section. In fact, part one, um, which consumes about, I would say, maybe a third, maybe a little less than a third of the book. Um, Then you quickly move into part two, and the first part you dealt with the covenantal foundations for parenting, and we just basically summarized that with what you just said, Um, although there's much more there um, as well. And part two, you start moving into this this idea that I've got to confess, it's the first time I've ever heard anybody refer to parenting in this type of a way. And, 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 it, and it really, I think, helps change your perspective in, a, in a, a big way. And we all know what it means to parent, right? We're the bosses, so to speak. We're the authority figure in the house. I'm dad. I tell child what to do, and they do it. Well, hopefully. Um, but here in this section, you, you lay this, this idea of parenting as prophets, priests, 
and Kings. Can you maybe summarize for us part two of the book? I know there's a lot of chapters here, and, and because of time, we don't have uh, the opportunity to go through each one more detailed. But maybe give us your idea of what, what are you driving at here when you're referencing the threefold office of Christ as it relates to parenting? Yes, that's a, that's a good question, Bill. Um, I, I look at it this way. God has given us our children, but ultimately they, they, they belong to him. So I'm to raise, um, as a, as a parent, our children, the way that God would raise them if he were on earth Mm. and training them, which means that I'm to imitate, uh, my savior as prophet, priest, and king, the way that he, sort of, so to speak, raises me spiritually is the way I'm to raise, raise my children. And so what that means is I'm to teach and train uh, my children spiritually, intellectually, socially, physically, as a prophet in the home. I'm to be a minister of the word, as it were, uh, in my own home, teaching my children the whole counsel of God with prophet-like diligence and prophet-like example and prophet-like zeal. And then as priests, where, of course, we don't sacrifice for our children, Christ has done that once for all, but we do intercede like Christ for our children. And we strive to imitate his, uh, his sympathy. We're to, we're to model Christ's self-denial and, and model his self-sacrifice. Um, by our priestly actions. And in this way, we show the love of Christ to our children so that they can feel from our priestly actions this, this incredible parental love, like J.C. Ryle said, that the love of the soul is the soul of all love. And so we, we want our children to feel that we love their soul immensely as well as everything about them. Mm-hmm. And then as kings, we're to, um, we're to help our children discern God's will and to defend them from those who would do them ill, as well as to discipline them to root out evil and promote promote what is good. And just part of the kingly office is just to offer them wise counsel, to, to guide them in their spiritual and, and temporal lives. And right now, Bill, my children are 21, 19, actually 20 today. <laughs> my daughter's just turned 20 today. 21, mm. 20, and 16. And... You know, one thing I really love about my children is that they will come to me naturally for advice. Um, they'll email me, they'll talk to me, they'll say, hey, Dad, what do you think of this? Or I'm about to do that. And that's really, I think, the outgrowth of, um, although with many faults and flaws, of, of striving to be teaching prophet, interceding priest, and a, and a guiding king to my children uh, all their lifetime. And one way we exercise that, of course, uh, to me, the primary way, the foundational way, is through through daily family worship, where as a father you are speaking to your children every single day about the ways of God with his people, uh, reflecting on the passage that's read that day. And so, you know, I look at it this way. If your children are with you for 20 years and you've got 365 with them per year in terms of days, that's 7,300 family worships you can give them. Now, granted, sometimes it's not going to work out, so let's say you give them 6,500 family worships in your lifetime. Well, 
6,500 times, you're going to end up talking about every topic under the sun if you're reading the Bible, because the Bible is very comprehensive. Hmm. And so family worship is a platform from which you develop a relationship with your children that you communicate about every important thing in life. And that way, when your children grow older, they will turn back to you and seek your advice if they come to life, life's major issues. Yeah, that's well said, and I and I appreciate the fact that you shared um, that you yourself, of course, are a parent of older children, and um, also made reference to the fact that you know certainly as parents we we fail, we make mistakes. I, I like what you said right in the beginning of the book that the only perfect parent is the parent that's never had children, <laughs> and uh, you know, and, and I know that's kind of a tongue-in-cheek statement, of course, but there's a certain tr- truth to that. I mean, it's hard work. To be a parent, um, and um, with you know all what? The... You know what? One reason why it's so hard work is because God wants to make us dependent on Him. Mm-hmm. And um, one reason we have children, I'm fully convinced, is that God doesn't want us to be self-sufficient. And so, how many? You know, most of our prayers are circumstantially motivated in life. And how many circumstances don't we come into in in childhood where we just really need the Lord's wisdom? And so. Having children, rearing children, conscientiously for God's glory is a tremendous boon to our spiritual life because it keeps throwing us on the Lord. Yeah, that, I mean that's well said, and I and I and I was just thinking about that, not necessarily in relationship to this subject itself recently, but just in conversation with a few guys here around the school about how the Lord will constantly put us in situations in our life where we're forced to depend on him because that's where he wants us anyway. Um, and I can think as a parent, I can think of no greater place to be that forces our dependence because it's, as I said, it's, it's hard work. It's, it's not always easy. In fact, it's, well, I guess circa certain, it, it, it'll vary from person to person, but, um, it was difficult. Um, I know my wife and I, when we, Starting having children, we weren't even in the Reformed faith. We didn't even understand any of that at all, and um, so we were learning things as we were family worship. What was that? I mean, we didn't even know that that were, there was such a thing, um, uh-huh. and we didn't learn that for six, seven, eight years after our oldest was born. So we lost that, you know, as it were, lost that valuable time of development and 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 creating those good habits early on. I wish you had written this book. <laughs> 25 years ago. But um, anyway, there's something unique about this book. And because of time, I really want to jump to this because somebody here had actually mentioned it to me as well. uh, And they were interested in hearing your perspective on this. And there's an interesting section in the book. It's all the way at the end. um, But it's about being grandparents. And how does that relate um, to the whole topic? And how is it different to be a grandparent over against a parent. I mean, some of the things are obvious, but some aren't as obvious. Yeah. Um, being a grandparent, you know, I've I, I had an opportunity to talk, well, it's actually thousands of grandparents, and I've asked them a lot of questions about grandparenting over the years as you visit with seniors and the different churches I've served. And mm-hmm. what I've experienced is um, both encouraging and discouraging. The encouraging thing is that everyone, I mean everyone, loves grandparenting. Uh, and part of it is, of course, because 
you can enjoy it and you can give the kids back to the parents and you can wash your hands of responsibility <laughs> for a while. You know, my dad, my dad used to say, glad to see the headlights coming, glad to see the taillights go. Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> but so, so that, that's encouraging. I mean, parents really, grandparents really enjoy, in, enjoy grandparenting and that, and you can build off of that. The discouraging thing is that often grandparents don't realize the profound effect they have on their grandchildren if they show them uh, a godly example and pray with them and pray for them and uh, take them on their lap and when they're young and tell them Bible stories. And I mean, grandparents could have such a major role, such a tremendous uh, assisting role to the parents. Um, now, I'm, I'm arguing, therefore, in my book that grandparents ought to use, like, family gatherings and things like that for teaching, for teaching spiritual lessons. My, my dad used to often get all the grandkids around him and sit on the floor in front of them, and he'd tell them stories, and he'd tell them how the Lord worked in his life, and uh, he'd tell them with tears streaming down his face, and, the, and some of the kids were crying, just, just so deeply impressed with the things of God. I mean, that is invaluable. So grandparents have a tremendous, tremendous role to play. I think also uh, grandparents need to realize that their grandchildren is just an extension of this whole covenant relationship that they have with God. And so they ought to see their role as a continuing role, of course, not um, impeding upon the role of their children, but um, modeling a heavenly hope these grandchildren and uh, offering to take care of their grandchildren whenever needed. Uh, and I know I know that some parents abuse their grandchildren, bring their kids over too much. But you know what? I, I think as a grandparent, you ought to be willing to deny yourself a bit there and and, and, and take the children maybe a little more if the parents want you to a little more than you might even want to have them because. You've got a tremendous role here, and deny yourself, take up the cross, follow Christ, and grandparent those grandchildren. They're looking to you for uh, model roles and for mentors, and you've got a golden opportunity to give it to them. Mm. What are some of the dangers of grandparenting? I mean, I know when I was growing up, I used to see my grandparents as, um, well... (laughs) They would let me do things that maybe my parents wouldn't let me do, Um, you know, they would dote on me, as it were, or spoil me. Um, but it was almost like they were, like, mom and dad junior, as it were. They were just, um, it was just easier, it seemed like, sometimes to deal with them. Because, as you said, and your father isn't alone, by the way, with that expression of, you know, glad to see headlights come and glad to see the taillights go. You know, that was, I think that's, <laughs> I think every parent, grandparent has said that at least once in their life. But, um there's certainly some dangers as, as grandparents go because you don't want to, you don't want to contravene or contradict the parents either. And I, what kind of advice would you give? I know you mentioned a little, uh, one, one part of the book on page 280, talk about offering advice with discretion and how would you suggest going about that? Well, you've got to be careful to, to give advice to your children when they, when they don't ask for it. And this whole problem of interfering and if that's tough, it takes a lot of self-control because, for example, 
as a grandparent, you 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 know you you've been there before your kids have have been there, and you see your kids making mistakes, and you're just really tempted to correct them. Mm-hmm. And um, you just really need to use a lot of restraint there, much like you need to use restraint as your kids uh, get to be older, older in their teen years. Sometimes you just got to give them some space, and you can see that they're going to bump their head in a certain venture, but um, you know you've got to let them flap their wings a bit, and and, and that that will mean bumping their heads and. So the other thing you want to really be careful about is, you know, this is a huge danger where you tend to be, of course, more intimate in your conversation with your own child. And you've got to be very careful in your prayers and your conversation that you don't always put your own kid's name first and, or say, you know, Johnny's kids instead of, and leave out the spouse and, You've got to include the spouse just like she's one of your own children. Mm-hmm. And also not have little private conversations with your own child and say, you know, I certainly don't criticize to your own child, that child's spouse, and, and put a wedge in the, in the marital relationship. So you've got to be, you know, wise as serpents here and harmless as doves and and be, just be very careful that you don't intrude into the, into the relationship. That's particularly true if your children are unbelievers and have gone the wrong way. You, you, you know, you feel so deeply concerned about the grandchildren and the way they're being trained. And, and yet you can do more damage than good. So you've got to keep modeling your heavenly hope uh, in front of them in, 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 uh, with your walk of life. And uh, pray, pray to the Lord that you have opportunities not to just ball them out, but to encourage them to go in God's ways. Hmm. Two groups of people, Dr. Beaky, come to mind um, whenever I start even thinking about books of this nature. Um, the first group is the easier one to deal with. They're the group that have modeled the things that you've presented in this book. Their children are nothing but a joy and are serving the Lord, have, are walking with Him, and there's never really been a time where the child has gone off and done their own thing and um, rebelled and, and so forth. Okay, that's one group, and that's the group we all long for, we all pray for, we all hope for as parents. And then there's the other group where they read a book like this, and all they can do is reflect on all of the mistakes they've made, and one of their, chi- one of their children is rebellious, not walking with the Lord, uh, how would you speak uh, comfort or encouragement to a parent who has a wayward child, um, maybe because the parent made a number of horrible mistakes, and maybe not, maybe because they didn't make any mistakes. It just, that's the way it turned out. Mm-hmm. Well, thank, thanks for raising this, Bill. And I, I, I need to say up front that um, this is the one area that I wish I had devoted a full chapter to that I didn't in this book, and I'm actually contemplating uh, in the future, I've got more talks on parenting uh, of a follow-up book, and I, I would certainly include some material in that one if that book comes to fruition, because I do think that's a lack in this book. I didn't really address that very very well or at any length, uh, just a few hints here and there. But let me say that I think... There's three or four things here that are very important. One would be to maintain a covenant focus. God's a faithful covenant-keeping God. He often answers prayers uh, years down the road 
Uh, as mm. Ecclesiastes 11.1 1 says, you know, cast your bread upon the waters, you'll find it after many days. I mean, think of, think of Hezekiah. He, he dies, and all his prayers for Manasseh seem to be unanswered. He's ungodly. And then 15 years after he's dead, God converts Manasseh in prison and, and answers those prayers. So as Matthew Henry said, it's better to leave for your children a, a treasury of gold and silver, or a treasure of prayers rather than of gold and silver. And I think that, that's a key issue. Keep praying, keep trusting the covenant-keeping God, um, keep believing that he's able and willing to bring back your children who've wandered away and become rebellious. Mm. And the second thing you need, to, you need to remember here is that because of God's promise and covenant faithfulness, he has an amazing way of covering up our faults and our flaws. Uh, I often say to my wife, we're blessed with three very obedient children, and I often say to her, it's just amazing how many mistakes we've made and, and, and things are turning out so well by God's grace. Um, and even if things aren't, aren't turning out um, too well for you, if you look at how poorly we have all parented, mm. it ought to be a wonder to all of us that our kids are turning out as well as they are. Um, I mean, I certainly don't deserve obedient, God-fearing children. Uh, I've made all kinds of mistakes. So remembering our mistakes and then looking at God's grace is a constant reminder to us. And then the third thing I would say is if you just feel like you've blown it royally in parenting and you're oblivious to all these things and now you've become a Christian and you just lick your wounds every day and say, oh, if only I could do it again, um, go to your children, ask for their forgiveness and and um, begin to do with the grandchildren what you what you didn't do with your children. You know, God's, mm. God's a God of mercy, and God's a God of second chances. So um, keep coming back to Him. Use whatever opportunities you can. And grandchildren, well, maybe maybe try to minister to other people's uh, children or grandchildren and reach out to hurting families and um, do good. Speak a word for the Lord to these children and who can tell what the Lord will do? Yeah, that's well said. I know too many parents. Um, oftentimes, they'll read a book like this, and they'll and they'll they will be they'll be overcome with with a certain level of guilt, as it were, because they either they they fail to to exercise certain elements that are mentioned. Not just this book, but any book on parenting in general. It just tends to knife at their conscience or their or their own disposition, and they they look at that child and they think, "Am I part of the reason why? Have I contributed to their their wayward development and um, and their their lack of inclination to walk with the Lord?" And 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 I think the flip side to that is also just as powerful that parents have such a huge huge influence, um, either for positive or for negative, um, and. Um, that's why I appreciate this book because it's it it starts out with that the foundation isn't us, the foundation isn't my ability or my ingenuity, uh, my creativity as a parent. The foundation is God's promise, and um, that and I think that's why this book is unique um, of all the ones I have read um, because it really starts there and then develops on that instead of the other way around, which 
just turns into a, a manual self-help how to parent your children by 12-step process or whatever the case may be. And But I, but I asked that question because um, I, I know parents who will invariably feel that way at times. As they read a book like this, they'll think, well, I really didn't do that. And I can see now why maybe my child was this way. But I think your, your counsel is wise. And um, I especially like the part, you go to your child if you feel that that's something you need to do and, and be open with them and seek forgiveness and, and uh, attempt to be, begin to restore some of that, um, that uh, situation. Um, I, I, I can speak from personal experience, and that's one of the reasons why I even raised the question is I have three children. One of them has, um, you know, to my mother, to my wife and I's dismay has um, for a few years has kind of gone his own path. And we're starting to see indications of God working in his life and bringing him back. But it's interesting that, um, that it does happen. And, um, and how do you, how do you deal with that? And I appreciate your answer and, um, and your thinking through that. Yeah. The other thing you need to, you need need to stress here, Bill, is that some parents panic when one of their children, say 13, 14, 15, or maybe when they first drive, goes a bit, goes a bit wild and, Mm. um, you know, creates some problems and, you think, oh no, what have I done wrong? I've done something terrible wrong, and this is a disaster, lifelong. And it's it's like it's like a canoe going down a calm river, and suddenly hits some some serious rapids, rapids, and the canoe is just shaking and back and forth. And the tendency you you want to do then is just panic, and and if you don't carry it back to the Lord and cast it upon Him, you you can well capsize the canoe out of your violent reaction. Mm-hmm. Sometimes those rapids will only last for a couple, couple years, which seems like a long time. But children will come out of that and come out more mature, and um, probably a lot more godly, as they um, repent of their own sins and, and come to the Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of young people get converted on the backside of of that period of rebellion, and and it's just interesting. Um, and that's why I couldn't, I couldn't write this book earlier, by the way. <laughs> Even though I was giving classes, I just couldn't write it earlier. Because I, you know, you want to see your own kids through the teen years before you can do something like this. And as you see your kids move through young adulthood and they get in their early 20s, um, you know, they're just so much more mature and so many of the things that you worried about that you really weren't getting across to them. Actually, you did get across very well, but they just weren't acknowledging it. But now that they're 20, 21, it makes a lot of sense to them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they think you're a lot wiser than they used to think you were and, and that type of thing. And so be patient and persevere. And in due time, God will uh, God will own it. Yeah, I used to say my parents got smarter as I got older. Um, right. Obviously, they didn't get any smarter. It was just I began to see the value in what they said, and they actually did know what they were talking about um, when I didn't think they had a clue what was going on around the world. So, um, yeah, let, let, me, let me tell you a story about that. That was really, really kind of neat. Um, it, it, it's a humbling story for me, but uh, I, I want people to take it that way. But our, our kids went to a Mexico mission trip, and there was a guy there who came an adult who, who came to me later and he told me this story. He said, you know, I talked to your son uh, during the trip and I just said to him, what's it like to be a, 
a PK, a preacher's kid, and he said, oh, it's just normal. My parents always said, you know, we got to walk with the Lord, whether preacher's kids or not, and it really doesn't mm-hmm. make any difference. Well, he said, but, but what is it really like? I mean, you know, your dad's busy, he's gone a lot, you know, what, what, what's it really like? And my son said, well, it's just, yeah, it's, it's good, I'm, I'm glad, I, I'm glad I'm a preacher's kid, and I'm, you know, my dad talks to me and so on. The guy said, I said to him, well, what, what do you like about it? And he goes, my son goes, you know, what I like about my dad is I can go to him about anything, and he knows he knows the answers. <laughs> and then he laughed, <laughs> some of the things I don't know. But that was the impression of my son. He was 16 years old. He he said, you know, I can go to my dad about anything. And when this man told me this, I mean, it sounds silly, but I I I broke down weeping because mm. that was so precious to me that he would feel free to come to me about anything. And mm. um, that that's that's a reward, a gracious reward upon parenting when you have a child that way who will come with any question. It's very satisfying. Yeah, and and I appreciate you sharing that. It, it makes me think of how our Heavenly Father feels. Um, certainly not a perfect parallel, but when we go to Him with oh, our... Oh, it's, 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 it's a tremendous parallel. Let me, let me tell you one quick thing here. When when uh, One day I was just really, really grieved that I... My, my prayers were so poor and so repetitious, and I thought, you know, the Lord must be so tired of me, so tired of hearing these same old prayers. And, and then my son came up the steps. He said, good morning, Dad. I said, good morning, son. So I thought, you know what? You've been saying good morning to me for 17 years, and I never I never once thought, you know, I'm so tired of hearing you say good morning. Why, why do you bother saying good morning? Mm. No, it was, it's my son. It's my son talking. And then it hit me, you know, God says in the Song of Solomon that he loves to hear his, the voice of his children and just loves to hear their voice, even if it's the same thing. Um, so, yeah, there's lots of parallels like that. God's faithfulness and our faithfulness uh, are, are, are parallel, and our faithfulness depends on his, however, of course. Right. Well, that's I, I think that's a great place to to end our, our conversation on this book and topic. And, and I really appreciate you sharing those personal stories as well. And, um, and, and of course, writing this book, um, to help those who maybe are just starting out. Um, I have friends who are just having their first children and their first child and, um, would strongly encourage them to read this book, read it now. Don't read it in 20 years. Um, read it now, get some, some of the, there's, there's a lot of, um, solid biblical counsel and directive here in this book. Dr. Beakey, how can people get a copy of their book for themselves? Well, if they uh, write on www.heritagebooks.org, heritagebooks.org, they can get it. It's a $24 book. They can get it, I think, for $18. So they get a $6 discount price, and um, that's the way to get it. Okay, and that's heritagebooks.org. I think most people who listen to this podcast are probably familiar with um, them, and if you're not, you should be. Um, <clears throat> they do a great service for us here at the uh, at Greenville Seminary and our Spring Theology Conference. They come down and they set up a, a, a huge uh, bookstore. Um, it just 
well, it makes a book lover like myself go nuts because I want that and I want that and I want that. But of course, there's never enough money for all of those things. <laughs> but um, and speaking of the theology conference, Dr. Beaky, you will be here um, in March of next year in 2013. Um, to talk at our conference as well on uh, what I think the topic is the doctrine of man. Um, and so we look forward to having you here and I'll get to meet you for the first time, although we have spoken many times, I'll get to actually meet you face to face. So I do, I personally look forward to that as well. And also thank you for taking the time. I know you're very busy um, with everything that you are involved in and uh, your labors to the church, but I appreciate you taking the time to talk um, about this topic um, today with us and look forward to many more things in the future. Okay, brother. Thank you so much. God bless. Thank, thank you. You too. You've been listening to an interview with Dr. Joel Beakey on his book, Parenting by God's Promises, a very practical book, the one that I would strongly encourage you to get a copy of and read through for your own benefit and edification, especially if you're a parent. But even if you're not, you can use this book as uh, a grandparent or to help counsel and edify others in this particular area of parenting. A difficult thing to do, uh, being a parent. I've been one for many years, and I can attest to the fact that um, it is a challenge at times. And so biblical counsel and advice in this area is always helpful. So again, you've been listening to this interview with Dr. Joel Beakey, who is the president of Puritan Reformed Theological Seminary. Coming up on the podcast, um, well, as I usually say each week, don't always know what's coming up. Um, So go to the website, confessingourhope.com, and there you'll find out more information. So until next time, we do thank you for listening to this particular edition of Confessing Our Hope, the podcast of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. And God bless.